When when a house is on fire, you don't just oh, it's not on fire because it's on fire. You feel the flame, <laughs> you feel the heat, you see the flames, you see it burning, and you you acknowledge it. Our and souls. Now what's can, important? Yeah. Is what? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, how do you deal with the loss? Yeah. And so when something tragic happens in your in our lives, it's an opportunity to see what we're made out of. Nothing you do matters unless what you do matters. I'm Amadon Delerba, and this is Get Real or Die Trying. Hey, tribe. Amadon Delerba here. Welcome to my show, Get Real or Die Trying. Nothing you do matters unless what you do matters. I'm in a very special location here in Arizona. I am in the Superstition Mountains, deep in the wilderness here, about 10 miles off-road into the mountains, at the Rivas Mountain School of Self-Reliance. What's special about this place is this is where my parents met about 34 years ago for the first time. And from there, the journey began in their lives. So if it wasn't for this place, I may not exist. This is where my parents met, and they were both here coming to a meditation retreat led by Peter Bigfoot here. I'm very excited to be here with Peter Bigfoot. I've heard a lot about him over the years from my father, from my mother. I've followed some of his work and his remedies and met people, and it's taken a long time to get back in here and get here. So I'm excited to be here and uh, sit down with the mountain man, Peter Bigfoot. (laughs) How you doing, Peter? A lovely day. So tell tell me uh, tell me a little bit or tell our audience a little bit about your school here and how this came about. You've been here for forty years now. You have this beautiful piece of land. Mm-hmm. You teach self reliance. You teach health and herbal uh, remedies and so forth. And how did this come about? And just let it, let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to have a farm someplace out in the country. And uh, did a lot of world travels and things. And I think in the back of my mind, I was always looking for that special place to make a farm. And I watched with other successful farms and places that people had out in the wild somewhere. And I'd say, what did they see, you know, before they had that farm there? What does the land look like? And and, um, all that sort of thing. And I'd be noticing. And then when I found this place, it was like, wow, this is it. Everything I've been looking for. And people thought, you're crazy. What do you want to say? There's nothing there. But for me, everything was here. There was mountains. There was good soil. There was a, a little stream going through it. And it was remote and way back here in the wilderness. And um, I think I may have even had some previous incarnations here with one of the Indians around this place. Yeah. And uh, so then uh, it just felt like home. And so how do, you, how do I go about, I didn't even know who owned it. Before this even, I did this trek. I'd always wanted to be able to live off the land. Like, I envied deer and bears and stuff. They didn't own anything. And they just take off wild and free. And it was so attractive to me that a person could be to do that. And so I would, I would set out most of my life, ever since I was a kid, wanting to know, how do you live off the land? And um, being a human being, it seems like our needs are pretty, um, lots of them, you know, because we're just these helpless pink things, you know? 
you know, we don't have any fur or scales or anything, you know, to protect us. So we have to have stuff to, and I tried to be the hard guy and everything, and eventually I finally gave in to realize, you know, that we need food and water and clothes and stuff like that to protect us from the elements. So I, I could go with that, okay, so. Uh, but the, the creatures, you know, they had their fur and everything, and they just go wandering around, and everything was there that they needed. So I tried that, and I got pretty good at it. Tell me about your trek that you did in 1975. That was an enormous life-changing experience, like a new direction in life. So I um, had a friend drop me off out in the desert, um, long ways from any human habitation. And the thing that made it challenging for me, because I'd done a lot of developing skills in this area um, was that it was uh, July 11th I think and it was one of the hottest driest summers we ever had here in Arizona <clears throat> and I set out to to um, hike to the top of a mountain that was 85 miles away <clears throat> 85 miles away and um, I left without taking any food or water Wow. And it was uh, daytime temperatures. Uh, I took a little thermometer with me just to see why I was feeling so miserable. And it went up to 135. It was as high as the thermometer would go. And uh, it, spelled, it was redlined most of the time during the day. <laughs> so I had to, I, I ate some cactus and things, but it was... Uh, I think my first day out, I had I, I covered about ten miles before I got uh, to water, and then when I got to the water, there was a decomposed dead cow in the water, so it was quite a test of my resolve in a lot of ways, spiritually as well as uh, physically. And uh, I was, <clears throat> I think, I probably hiked for at least two hours of that day without any moisture whatsoever in my mouth. And uh, so I, I nearly died of dehydration that first day. And then uh, <clears throat> I decided that my, when I found the, this water hole with a dead cow in it, and the, the water was kind of like um, black tomato soup or something. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about drinking it. I was going to try to get to another place that was two miles from there, and I never made it. But I sat down and meditated for a while. And this helped, saved me lots of times throughout this trek. When things were looking bad, I didn't uh, die of dehydration or one thing or another. Or I needed to know which way to go. I would just, instead of going into a panic, like, oh, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, or anything like that, I would just sit down and meditate. And I'd get in this really blissful state of, and then, uh, I would all of a sudden just get an idea would come into my head about what I ought to do next. And I'd go do it and everything would work out just fine. But the, the first lesson was about attitude. And so here I have this black gook, but it's wet. It's 135 degrees out. Water was essential. Anything that was wet was okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I meditated, and then I just got this idea about attitude. Your attitude is your altitude, you know? Mm. And so I just had an a bad attitude about this ugly water. 
So I got, uh, there happened to be some whorehound herb growing nearby, and it's a very powerful flavor, but it also has a very purifying effect on our body. So, so I started a little fire there and got my, I t- had a little one-gallon bucket with me, and I took that full of this black gook, and I cooked it for a little while and put the whorehound in it. And I figured the whorehound has such a powerful flavor that I wouldn't be able to taste how ugly this water was. And it worked. So um, I probably drank about three gallons of this stuff. And um, I survived. And I, it really impressed upon me how important our attitude is. And we can be in control of the attitude switch. Yeah, We can switch it to, so you want utopia? Just imagine that you're in utopia, no matter where it is, and you can have it. Yeah, It's only a matter of attitude. Yeah, one thing, one thing you said that stood out to me is just how the mind is in control of the body. So your physical body is there mm-hmm. failing. You're, you're in the desert, you're dehydrated, your body's weak, and it, what got you to push through was your meditation and the mind. And I think a lot of mm-hmm. uh, people who've pushed their bodies and their minds to the extreme of mm-hmm. survival or ex- ultra-athletes or doing anything that really pushes the max... They all tell you that it's not the muscle, it's not the body, it's the mind. And I think in life, too, people who've accomplished things on a spiritual level or have gone places and achieved their goals, they have strong minds and strong commitments. Yeah, and I'd filter that out even more, and that is, I think this is what, what makes meditation so important, is that there's a third component, mm-hmm. and that is our spirit self. Absolutely. And um, so I think that I have my body mind, and I have my spirit mind, and it's the spirit mind that made the difference. Yeah, and uh, makes the difference in in all of our life. Well, what's what's attracted me to to your teachings, so to speak, is that you've you've combined. It's not just about the herbs that you're eating and you're finding, or the survival techniques. You've combined the spiritual element. So you have the material body. You've also brought in the spirit body and the spiritual body, and you've combined these things and the importance teaching people the importance of that, the mental, spiritual state has to be healthy and fed, not just the physical body. Your, your true healing comes from the combination and basically consciousness. Mm-hmm. You can't just pop herbs and be healed. There has to be a process. And we were talking yesterday and you talked about um, that you just help people to realize that they can heal themselves through mm-hmm. uh, plant medicine, basically. True. But it's also a spiritual process. And I think for people... You don't necessarily say, or maybe you do, but like say, that, oh, you have to do this and do that from a spiritual perspective, but it just emanates from your philosophy of how to approach healing. And so people realize that there has to be an intentional spiritual consciousness process to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key for healing in any any situation. And you were talking yesterday too with my father about cancer. What really stood out to me, one thing you said about cancer is that People get cancer basically from being imprisoned in misery and being stuck and being, you know, unhappy basically. Mm -hmm. And my father talks about how disease manifests in the body from being out of, you know, your destiny alignment, being out out of God's will, being out of what you should be doing with your life and basically being miserable and being unhappy and the body systems break down. And I think what I've admired about you is you pursued something beautiful here like 
we're like on 10 miles deep into this mountain range. Only four by four vehicles can get in here. And you wanted your farm and your garden and your, and your school. It's more than just a farm. It's a school, a place of education and enlightenment and consciousness. And you pursued that. And I think you've been blessed because you had the courage to stick it through and pursue it. And you were telling us the story yesterday about how you attained this place, which is quite amazing in itself, 40 years ago and it all coming together. But I, I've, I just wanted to say that I think, you know, in knowing your story with the trek, knowing your journey of uh, attaining this place and where you've come to today is that in many ways, um, you're kind of like my father saying is you're, you're, you have a holy man essence about that you, and you may not push this on people, but I think people realize that, wow, they have to have a consciousness shift to truly heal or the herbs don't even work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that what came to me over studying metaphysics for years and practicing it and just wanting to be this is that they come to the realization that we're eternal spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And that we have a body for our entertainment. And then because we're eternal beings, you know, eternal, like mm-hmm. forever, yeah. spirit. And then we, we have a body that we um, treasure and experience life in the solid world with. And I think what is so important is to realize that we have a body, we're not the body. Mm-hmm. It makes all the difference in the world. And it's, it's easy to... Um, to just say stuff like this, but to actually realize it in our lives is, is, is really important and that we can stand aside from what's going on with our body and uh, in the spirit, from the spiritual realm, see, you know, what's going on. And it, it, it's kind of like, well, it, you know, times get tough or something. You might think, well, it's a good movie. You know, it isn't really what's happening. It's because we're eternal beings and it gives us a whole different perspective about life and, and what's going on and okay so what's the purpose in life well to experience life and be happy and create yourself however you want to be um is about that in a nutshell for me mm-hmm. and then anything that happens along the way is just an opportunity to experience real life and not stand away from it but just get right in there and enjoy whatever's going on yeah and see the lesson in it and um uh, yeah, it just made a tremendous difference for me when I came to that realization. And what's, one of the simplest things you can possibly imagine is sit comfortably and intentionally not think. Mm-hmm. Hardly anybody can do it. It takes years. But it's to me, meditation is consciously not thinking, but with the intention of developing a relationship with my forever self. Mm-hmm. It's also simple, also incredibly simple. And so we're here for the entertainment and the enjoyment of being in a physical form, but that's not who we are, it's what we have. Mm-hmm. And to be able to come to that realization is a constant practice of uh, meditation and just living it to the best we can. But to just read about it or hear somebody talk about it, uh, well, it's kind of interesting, but it doesn't get it done. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it becomes a, a, a life practice, you know, like an, an intention, constantly being aware of this and making it real in your life. Yeah. And it's uh, simple and, and honesty and accountability are paramount in this sort of thing as well, because you can, 
it's absolutely senseless to lie to yourself about what's going on. Yeah. Uh, just get real, like you say. Yeah. Um, get real is being totally honest about what's happening and, and do something about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting how we as human beings can fool ourselves and not be real with ourselves. When when a house is on fire, you don't just say, oh, it's not on fire because it's on fire. You feel the flame, <laughs> you feel the heat, you see the flames, you see it burning, and you you acknowledge it. Our and souls. Now what's can, important? Yeah. Is what? How do you feel about that? Yeah. Um, how do you deal with the loss? Yeah. And so when something tragic happens in your in our lives, it's an opportunity to see what we're made out of. Yeah. Test. How are we going to yeah, deal we, with it? Yeah. And so you know the physical house is on fire, but if something's happening in our soul. And our mm-hmm. psychology and our consciousness, it's on fire, but we can, we, we can go on denying it for so long. So getting honest with ourselves is part of that healing process. And you said the accountability as well and vulnerability. And what do we do with these experiences in life that test us and bring us to the max? And we hit rock bottom or challenges, you know. Mm-hmm. So many great men and women throughout time who've been studied later on after they've passed on and they've accomplished things in their lives and their, their souls have been recognized for what they've accomplished They've all talked about how challenges basically shape their decision-making and their character. And so here's what the challenge offers. I feel horrible about my house just burnt down. Mm -hmm. That's my honesty. Mm -hmm. But here comes the cure. I would rather feel joyful. I would rather see the lesson in it. Mm -hmm. I would rather be okay about it. Yeah. And... uh, but first, we have to admit how we feel about it. That's the real part. And then the next is, well, what am I going to do from here? Mm-hmm. I burned my barn down one day. Yeah. And um, that was a horrible feeling of, of, of shame and embarrassment and everything. I was killing spiders, poisonous spiders in there with a torch. And uh, it got dark out, and, and I thought, well, I came in here to make dinner and stuff and, and I was all tired out so I didn't watch a video or whatever and then I went to bed and all of a sudden I heard this huge explosion down there. <laughs> there was a little spark in there somewhere that I didn't see and the wind came up in the evening and sparked that thing and the barn burned down. Oh, man. I stayed up all night fighting that fire and so the next day, the sun comes up, and I think, because we have other owners of the property. We, have a, we formed a corporation where we have uh, a dozen owners. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, my God, what am I going to tell these guys and everything, you know? And, and then the sun came up, and I acknowledged you know, how I felt and everything about it. I had a little night to think about it while I was fighting the fire. <laughs> and the next day, I said, this is not going to spoil my day. And then I started joking around with the neighbors and stuff, and <clears throat> so I hear you burned your barn down. And I said, "No, I think I burned it up." <laughs> stuff like that, you know. But anyway, then the owners came up here, and they were very judgmental to me about mm. me burning the thing down mm. because it used to be an eyesore, and now all of a sudden it was an, a historic monument that I burned down. <laughs> and so it caught me by surprise. I was so pleased with myself that I was able to come out of this feeling okay. Yeah. I went from feeling horrible to thinking, well, I'd rather feel different. And I just, it was not phony or anything. I just felt yeah, the, okay yeah, with the, the whole thing. It's just another, you know, just something else to do with you in your, in your yeah. body. 
And that caught me by surprise was their judgment and uh, mm. stuff of me. So, so then I had something else to work on. Yeah. You know, I feel bad about that. You know, these guys I thought were my friends and that they'd see it was okay and uh, they don't. And so it's okay. So I feel horrible about that. And then uh, I got to feel okay for that too. Yeah. <clears throat> so plenty well. of curveballs in life that we got to adapt and catch and change mm -hmm. and feel how horrible a thing feels or whatever it is, you know, be honest, totally honest about how you feel and then decide what you want to do about it. Yeah. So when you back, let's circle back all the way to your trek back in 1975, and yeah. you're, you're and you're in the desert, you're dehydrated, you're hot, you're about to die. You know, where did your mind go to? I know you said you meditated, but what was the end goal? Like some people, they're committed to their vision, so they're gonna they're gonna push through an ultra marathon, or I'm gonna run that 50 miles, and their end goal and their their end game is finishing the goal line. So they just focus on that. And, you know, your end goal my, was getting 85 miles and getting there. But and, my and end living. goal, my real end goal was being present. Yeah, that's what Just I, being yeah. out and being present with what's happening every day. That's what I thought, because it wasn't so much about the And in the a hikers. sense, it was, it was almost like going for, with, for a walk with Jesus or something. Yeah. I just felt totally comforted and, uh, and my spirit was running the show. I love it. Yeah. <clears throat> Alone in the wilderness. No way I could have made it otherwise. Yeah, and that's right. You know, to me, it's not the it's not the physical knowledge that you had of surviving because you knew what to eat, you knew where to drink. Mm -hmm. It was the spiritual determination, and I think that's what people in the world, when they hear about stories like yours and others, they're attracted to the mindset. Actually, not mm -hmm. so much the accomplishment. They think they're attracted to the accomplishment. Oh, this guy, whatever, ran uh, you know 150 miles, or this guy walked 85 miles in the desert, or whatever these people do, they're attracted to the mental capacity and the, the determination and the spiritual drive to whatever it is they were able to conquer their mind, conquer the weakness to achieve that great goal. And in life, it could be, you don't have to walk the 85 miles in the desert. In life, these, com these complications and struggles occur when you're trying to achieve great things, just even trying to achieve your farm here and your school. It's like you have to have the determination. There were times probably where you're like, is this ever going to work? Am I mm -hmm. going to be able to do this? And you've, you've always pushed through because the spiritual faith, determination, resilience, you know. And I think There's another side to this. Yeah. And that is that um, I have a goal, but the goal really isn't very important. It's just something to give me a direction. Yeah. So I wanted to get to the top of that Four Peaks Mountain that was 85 miles away. That was just a direction. But the goal is to be fully present in the journey. Because I didn't, I didn't really need to get to the top of that mountain. But I just wanted to in fully be fully present in what I was doing at the time. Because the goal is always can be a disappointment. If the goal is all we want, it's the journey that matters more mm -hmm. than anything else. How well did we do the journey? Mm-hmm. And so some pre sometimes it's a, uh, a physical marathon type thing, you know, where you want to push through and you get there. But once again, it's a journey. Mm -hmm. The goal isn't that important once you get there. Yep. Always the journey. Yep. And, I think it's... And, what, and this thing here, you know, I've created a little paradise in the wilderness, and that's really great, but it's the journey. Yeah. I think an unfortunate thing of today's society, which you're pretty removed from out here, but in the world, people have become so impatient. They want mm -hmm. instant gratification. Mm -hmm. 
materialism has taken over. It's all goal-oriented. The journey doesn't mean anything. They'll do anything they can, step on anyone, cut corners, just to get to whatever they think their goal is. Mm -hmm. And there's such a impatience to our society and a, a sense of... Um, really, it's to me, it's instant gratification. We've become so used to things happening overnight. We want what we want. Technology's done that. Society's done that. We've created an anxiety. We've created a culture of unacceptance of, you know, basically, you're not happy till you get what you want. And oftentimes, getting what you want, the happiness is in the process of getting it. Essentially, I'm never going to get what I want in life. But so I'm, if, they, I'm if happy. all they do is get their, get what they want, they miss the journey. Yeah. They didn't get what well, they, what they really realize wanted. is, oh, I'll be happy when I get the nice house and the wife. Then they get <laughs> the it. hunky-dory story. And they're not happy. Yeah. Okay, I'll be happy when I get two more cars <laughs> or in a boat. <laughs> and they get all that. Okay, they have to keep changing their, their, their benchmark to be happy. But really the whole time, you know, and that's in this constant pursuit of this false reality, you know. One of, one of the catch lines of my podcast is the pursuit to self-mastery. Because I think, to me, the spiritual process of being uh, a conscious citizen on this planet, in this universe, is that our goal is to master ourselves and mm -hmm. to master how we exist in this world, but not just this world, in the, how we exist in the universe at large, the intelligent, created universe, the magical universe, and how we are conscious beings and you know, self-mastery. I can't control you. I can't control anybody. But I can control myself. <laughs> well, that's debatable, but <laughs> that's that's the goal. Control the mastery, myself. I guess, is to control the oneself, and the, the yeah. controlling oneself is really an awful lot about attitude. Yeah, that shift your attitude. There's a great man who was a who was like my father's right hand man, helping to start our community years ago. His name was Santin, and he said, "Have an attitude of gratitude." Absolutely, that was the mantra. So and important. It just changes your mindset so much when you tap into that attitude of gratitude it's the opposite of what i was just talking about where you're always pursuing and you need more and you need more and you're always ungrateful and you're never happy you can be grateful with anything anywhere in your attitude and an attitude shift is so the mind is so powerful and people don't realize it you know they can be sitting with the fire burning all around them and uh not get up and do anything about it because oh my god it's the end of the world their mind and like you, all you have to do is just change your mind change your mindset and do something, and your reality changes. You know, the, the perception of reality is all filtered through our own mind. So you and I could be in the exact same situation and experience two different things because of how we choose to per perceive the reality around us. You know, an interesting little mystery is that you said about changing our mindset. Who is it that makes the change? Yeah. <laughs> there's somebody in there besides the mind. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a different, you know, the Ranch book that I read and study had been my whole life talks about the thought adjuster, which is a pretty complex thing to get into now. But there's a, if you're interested, check it out. The thought adjuster in the Ranch book, and um, of course we're all indwelt with the spirit of of the Creator within us, you know, mm -hmm. and and that's the spirit of truth, and um, fragment of the Father is what the Ranch book teaches it's called the fragment of the Father the universal father of all, the creator of all. And we have that within us to tap into it, tap into it any time. Now, some people don't know that. Some people have different names for it, but it's all the same thing. It's spirit. You're talking about being uh, immortal spiritual beings, isbies. <laughs> and 
we are immortal spiritual beings that were created in that sense and we can tap into that. But we also have responsibility to conduct ourselves in each carnation of our lives, incarnation of our lives in a manner that's going to be uh, conducive for our own spiritual growth, but be servants of all of humanity. Like, I think that when people don't live their life, like they don't realize that, wow, we're all on this planet. We all have something to give. What am I going to give to the planet, to the world, to the people around me? Because we say, wow, what am I going to take? What am I going to get? What am I going to attain? How this, am I going to mine this mountain here and take some so gold huge. out? It is so, so huge. the mindset. Go through life asking, what do I have to give? Yeah. It's a whole lot more powerful than, because you have to have something to give something. Yeah. So it's an affirmation almost that if you have something to give, you already have it or you couldn't give it. Yeah. And what can I give? That's so important. Yep. Be a giver and be a servant of all. Well, my friend, we're running out of time here, but just to uh, circle the story for our audience here, Peter Bigfoot, we're here at Revis Mountain School, Self-Reliance. The school's been here for about 40 years. And in those 40 years, he's probably taught thousands of people uh, different workshops, educating people on health and wellness and whole being, gardening, off-grid living, different things. Am I missing anything? Touch healing. <laughs> and so he's he's a man of uh, much knowledge and wisdom and experience. And one thing I wanted to touch on before we end, actually, that I really liked, is that you've evolved. And we were talking yesterday, you were saying, oh, you know, 30 years ago, I thought you had to be a vegetarian. If you weren't, you were this and that. And you had self-righteousness, you said, you know, and you've evolved. And Whatever those things are, it's so important that we evolve as, evolve as human beings. I loved reading in your little book yesterday. You said, I was a vegetarian for 30 years, about 28 years too long. <laughs> but you know, That's that takes, totally right. It takes humility to admit that. I'm not, nothing, this, isn't, this isn't about being a vegetarian or not being a vegetarian. It's about the concept of the realization and the evolving out of something and, and having the humility to recognize that and say, wow, you know, and it doesn't matter what it is that you're recognizing you had the humility to change and adapt. And I think as we grow as human beings, we can get so stuck on this is the way to live. This is the way to think. This is the book to read. This is the food to eat. This is the shirt to wear. <laughs> and we can impose that upon other people. Mm -hmm. And in your wisdom now, years and years of living, you've kind of gotten more like, you've, you have gotten more wise. I feel as, like as I've should. gone through about 20 lifetimes in this one lifetime. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it's incredible. And because I keep looking for the next higher truth yeah. and, the next, uh, and willing to let go yeah. old ideas and get on to what seems to be the next best thing. And that's key because I honor you for that because I know people who they don't do that because it's a power trip and they have what they think works for them and it's, mm -hmm. that's, that's it and they don't evolve from that and they're stuck and they're in this box and it's a little controlled mindset and that's how they live and mm -hmm. they don't evolve from that. I think it's very cool because you could have stayed stuck in your philosophy, your theology, your consciousness, your way of living, mm -hmm. and that works for you, and this is it, and people come here, and they, but you've constantly changed and evolved, and maybe in 10 years we'll have another conversation, and you'll be on a whole other plan, and so I respect that, and it's a good example to people, and I know that a lot of people come here seeking knowledge and wisdom and to learn from you, and that's a good thing to teach, is the uh, to evolve. There's always new revelation. Yeah. You know, truth is an expanding thing. Truth is a is is expanding upon the times that we live in. Yep. Thanks for talking. I'm I'm really glad to be here. Like I said, it's a special moment. I wouldn't, you know, my parents met here 34 years ago. 
And this is that was the start of their journey together. And they were here on a spiritual journey, so to speak. There were both times in their life where they were looking for what to do next in their life. And they both had a calling and they had a supernatural and, and incredible experience here at Peter Bigfoot's uh, meditation retreat that he was leading at the time. And it was the start and the journey of their life and consequently my life because I was born as a result. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> so I thank you and I thank yeah. you for all that you've done here and the education and the wisdom and the love you've imparted upon people and the land. You're a good steward of the land. You've held the land with integrity and honor. So I respect that about you and you've stayed true to your commitment and your vision because you could have given up and done anything with your life and you, people are so fickle and you stayed through 40 years, you're still here and you're still committed. So I uh, commend you for that, sir. It was emotionally challenging the whole way through. <clears throat> uh, real tough sometimes. Yeah. But I stuck with it, same like your dad. You know, we stuck with it until we got good at it. Yeah. And so now it's a lot easier. But uh, all the, the, the challenges and the difficult times is what uh, shaped us, shaped our lives. Yep. If it was easy, I wouldn't be the person I am now. Yep. It was hard and we stuck with it. And the same with your dad. He stuck with his, his uh, vision and, and has done great things. So, you too. Thanks, you're, Peter. You're very Enjoy welcome. talking to you, sir. My name is Amadon Delerbo, and this is Get Real or Die Trying. You just heard an interview with Peter Bigfoot here at the Beavis Mountain School of Self Reliance. Check out my website at getrealordietrying.com. Leave me a voicemail on anchor.fm slash get real or die trying. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any of the platforms you listen on. Be sure to follow me on social media and share this podcast with your friends. Word of mouth is a great way to share the vibe. Get Real or Die Trying with Amadon Delerba is a production of Global Change Media. And remember, pain is temporary, victory is eternal.